You are listening to the Overflow Podcast, a ministry of First Denton. For more information on Overflow, please visit overflowdenton.org. Amen. How are we doing? Good? Matthew 4. Matthew 4. If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, get to Matthew chapter 4. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Zach Cunningham. I'm 22. I am the college pastor here. Uh, we have been blessed for the past three weeks to have Wade Morris come uh, and teach us from God's Word. Uh, Wade, I know you're going to be watching this. Man, I love you. You're awesome. Um, I'll try to make sense of some things for you here. Uh, I'm the college pastor, so what that means is about once a month or so, uh, you'll hear from me, uh, and the rest of the weeks, we have scheduled guys to come in and teach you from God's Word. Um, Wade Morris will actually be coming back a couple more times this semester. Uh, I'm super excited about the guy who's coming next week. Uh, Not that I'm not super excited about you coming back, Wade. Um, But I'll announce more about that later. Um, Six months ago, Overflow was planning a trip um, to Southeast Asia uh, on a mission trip. And so we, yeah, we did. Uh, We had a table, we had a table set uh, right out here outside these doors um, where students could sign up. Uh, And so it was Tuesday night, uh, and I was supposed to get up here and announce this trip, hype it up. Um, compel you to go on this trip, even though I had no idea what this trip was going to be about. Uh, I'm just being honest, man. I had good intentions. Um, but so anyways, it's Tuesday night. I'm walking past this table, uh, and Megan Chadwick, our missions catalyst at the church, um, she yells at me and says, hey, Zach, uh, do you want to go on this trip? I need someone to preach at the camp. You know, I'm, oh, I'm overwhelmed. It's Tuesday night, uh, and I'm, I'm walking fast, and I tell her, uh, I don't know about that. So I'm walking, and she yells out to me, and she says, it's at the beach. And no lie, I turn to her and say, sign me up. Um, look, man, I'm being honest. I'm not fronting here, right? People at the beach need to hear about Jesus too. And so I sign up. Uh, I sign up for this thing literally not knowing anything except I was preaching at the beach. And so a couple weeks go by, uh, and we have our first missions meeting uh, here at the church in this room. And Megan's going to tell us about what this trip is about. And so she, it goes something like this. She says, the first half of our trip we're going to be walking around the city telling people about Jesus. So for one week, we're just going to walk around the city tell people about Jesus. I'm like, all right. The second half, we're going to be at a beach camp. And I'm like, yes, that's what I signed up for. And then she says this part. The country we're going to is Muslim. It's illegal for them to convert. And if you get caught trying to convert them, you will get arrested and sent home. This trip quickly went from one of those mission trips that people make fun of because all they do is go to the beach uh, to a mission trip that can get you killed, right? And so for security purposes, I can't even tell you where we went on this trip. Um, But if I get excited and I let it slip out, uh, we'll just edit it out so don't gasp or think I'm going to get arrested. Um, But I was ready, man. I told my mom, uh, I'm never going to see you again. Uh, Listen, today is gain, and I will see you on the other side. And she was not entertained at all. Um, But joke's on me. uh, The Lord has a sense of humor. Um, The first half of the trip, I was perfectly fine. Um, But the day, Patrick's laughing, the day that we went to the beach, I got incredibly sick. I actually had to go to the Asian hospital twice. Um, And I didn't even get, I hardly even got out of bed except to preach at this camp. Uh, I did not get to go to the beach. I didn't get in the water at all. Um, so don't sign up for a trip just to go to the beach. <laughs> the Lord will laugh at you. Um, in all seriousness, I was excited about this trip, man. I was, I was pumped to see how God was going to challenge our team to share the gospel 
uh, with uh, the Muslims in this country. And being honest, I had never shared the gospel with a Muslim before, probably in my life. And so I was fearful, I was intimidated, but I was praying God would use this trip um, to stretch me and my team. Um, but nonetheless, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we plan for this trip. We're studying facts about this country. Um, we're Googling these facts. We're watching videos, trying to understand the culture there. And so uh, the semester ends, uh, like in May. Uh, we, it's a couple weeks go by, and we're ready to fly to Asia. Uh, we're buying neck pillows. Uh, we're buying those little outlet things for Asia. Uh, we're buying snacks for the plane. Uh, we're trying to figure out if we can even bring Bibles uh, on this trip, on the plane. And so we, we're Googling things, and it's about time for us to fly. And so our flight over there looked like this. It was a 14-hour flight from Dallas to the other side of the world, kind of, and then a few hours of layover, and then a seven-hour flight to Asia. And so it's about 24 hours of travel, and it's 13 hours ahead of schedule. So right now it's 9.34 tomorrow morning uh, where we were going. And so it's a day and a half to get there. We leave, and I can't sleep on planes. And so this is going to be brutal for me. Uh, I, we fly there, and we get there at about noon, a day and a half later, and I'm super exhausted. I'm looking for the first Asian bed that I can find. If they've got beds in Asia, I was going to find one. And so our, our, our trip leaders, they pick us up from the airport, and they take us to um, our missions, the company off-house. Um, because it was illegal to do missions in this country, our company had an undercover off-house that we were going to stay at. And so as the hours go by, this trip is getting even more intense. I'm like, Mom, what are you? Mom would not approve of me on this trip. And so I'm, I'm at this off-house. We're excited, but we're tired. And instead of sleeping, this is what our trip leaders uh, tell us. They say, put your stuff down. And then they split us up into teams, uh, a guy on each team with three girls on the team. And they say... Um, well, they handed us each a train ticket, a scavenger hunt, and they said, be back in six hours. A train ticket, a scavenger hunt, and be back in six hours. There was no map given to us. We didn't have a phone. And we had no other way to contact our trip leaders. Scavenger hunt, train ticket, and that's it. If my mom knew that this was going to be the case, I would not have gone to Asia, let me tell you. Or my mom would have been with me on the plane, with me on the scavenger hunt. We wouldn't even gone on the scavenger hunt. We'd be in the off house. Um, so they give us this. And listen, I'm, I'm looking down at this train ticket and the scavenger hunt, thinking, God, what in the world is going on here? And I'm looking at our trip leaders like, seriously, they need medical attention. Um, so all of a sudden, listen, I'm in the middle of an Asian country, this random Asian country, I'm running on negative 12 hours of sleep. Uh, I don't speak a lick of the language that the natives speak there. And all I've got is a scavenger hunt and a train ticket. And so to make a long story short, um, it takes us 30 minutes to find the train station. They didn't even tell us where the train station was. And so it takes, it's half a mile from the house. We're walking around Asia, not, having no clue where we're going. Right? We find the train station half a mile away. We have to ride that baby 30 minutes into town just to find the first place on our scavenger hunt. 30-minute train ride. And so we're down there in the middle of Asia. I'm looking at this train ticket, and I'm looking at the girls on my team, Megan, Bailey, and Jothi. I'm delirious because I haven't slept. I've been awake about 41 of the past 48 hours. I'm delirious. I'm laughing like a madman because I'm in Asia, in the middle of downtown Asia with no phone, no scavenger hunt. Uh, I had a scavenger hunt. That's it. That's all I had. But listen, that's all I had. And so I'm looking down. I'm confused. I don't even know what's going on. 
I'm like, am I seeing things, man? I didn't sleep last night. Um, But here's the reason why I share that story with you. Last night was one of my favorite nights. Uh, Last Tuesday night was one of my favorite Tuesday nights of my life. If you weren't here, uh, it was an incredible night. Um, By God's grace, the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, our king who defeated death on a cross and carried away our guilt and shame, uh, and who redeemed us from a life empty of any real meaning to a life full of purpose and an eternity full of joy. That gospel was preached, and by God's grace, people responded. And by God's grace, the children of God gained like 30 or 40 new brothers and sisters, and we rejoice with the angels. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. I know many of you who came forward and who are here have uh, grown up in the church and learning about Jesus Christ, but I also know that many of you who came last week uh, have never gone to a church service before, and you don't even know what's going on. You just came forward, man. You felt the Lord call you, so you don't even know what your next step is. Um, when I was in Asia, I was dropped into the middle of a world I had never been to before. All I had was a train, st- a train ticket and a, a scavenger hunt, and I didn't know which direction my next step was, and in a very real way, this is very much like the Christian life. Uh, you are saved and you're dropped into a new world. Uh, 2 Corinthians calls you, it's a new creation. You're a new creation, and Acts 17.6 said, said that the Christians were turning the world upside down. So you're in this upside down world with a new king, a new life, and a new mission. And, and you've got your Bible in your hand, and you're excited. But you don't even know what your next step is. You don't even know what your next step is, just like I was in Asia. I was so confused. Um, and some of you are like, bro, am I supposed to be getting on a train somewhere? Uh, now, dude, the illustration ended like two minutes ago, but I want to spend the rest of my time I've got left showing you what your next step is. And if you've got your Bible, we're in Matthew chapter 4. Lucky for us, when Jesus called his first disciples to himself, he gave them some pretty specific uh, instruction on what the next step was going to be. Matthew chapter 4, we're going to be in verse 18. I'm going to give you a little bit of context here. Um, Jesus is about to start his ministry. He's about to start going around teaching and proclaiming the kingdom of God. And you see that in verse 17. And he's about to call his first disciples to himself. He's going to call his first disciples to himself in Matthew 4, picking up in verse 18. It says this. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. All right, so in the beginning of this passage, we've got two fishermen, uh, Andrew and Simon Peter, and Jesus calls out to them, and he says two words, follow me, follow me. This is the call of Jesus Christ on your life, to follow him. Whether you've been a Christian for 20 years or since last week, the call is the same, to follow Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, time and time again in the Bible, it talks about this great cost that comes with following Jesus. 
this great cost that comes with following Jesus. Uh, if you were here uh, the first week of Overflow, I talked about um, counting all things as loss for knowing Jesus Christ and how Paul would count everything as loss to follow Jesus. He would abandon everything to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus is radical abandonment for Jesus Christ. It's radical abandonment for the glory of Jesus Christ. And I want you to see this radical abandonment in Matthew 4 with these two fishermen. Look, they're going to abandon their comfort. They're going to abandon their comfort. Everything that they had known, everything that was comfortable to them, they're going to leave it. They're going to abandon their careers. Uh, It's very common in this time uh, for the sons to inherit their father's trade. And so they're going to abandon this fisherman business. It says immediately they drop their nets. They're going to abandon their possessions. Their possessions. They're going to leave them. Whatever they got. They got boats, nets, whatever else they had, they're going to leave it for the sake of Christ. And this has a lot to tell us in 2017 about following Jesus. You can't follow Jesus and love your possessions. You can't follow Jesus and love your possessions. You can't follow Jesus and love your car. You can't follow Jesus and love your phone, your TV. The call to follow Jesus is to abandon those things. These disciples are going to abandon everything. They're going to abandon their family. They're going to abandon their friends. And they're going to abandon their safety. You've got to see this. They even abandon their safety. When they're following Jesus, Jesus is going to tell them time and time again, I'm sending you out as lambs amongst wolves. And if you don't know how that scenario plays out, it doesn't go well for the sheep. All right? He's going to say in Matthew 10, the world's going to hate you because they hated me also. And then he's going to tell them, hey, whatever they do to me, they're going to do to you. So imagine what they're thinking as Jesus is going up on a cross. They abandon their safety. The call to follow Jesus or to follow Jesus is not a question of safety. And so we can go into the darkest places of the world where we're not promised safety and proclaiming the gospel where we can be arrested or killed and it not be a question of safety. It is not a question of safety. They abandon everything. And so you might be thinking, Zach, gosh, every time you preach, you talk about this great cost that comes with following Jesus. It's, you're always emphasizing the cost. Is there not gain? Is there not gain following Jesus Christ? Oh, there is gain. There is infinite gain in following Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God will do infinitely more that we can even think or imagine. I don't even know what that means. Infinitely more than I can imagine? Bro, I can imagine a lot. But God says, there's going to be gain, but listen, you can't miss the cost. You can't miss the cost of following Jesus. And the reason why I emphasize this so much is because of the lie that is being preached all over the world that following Jesus is going to be easy and it's going to result in your best life now. The call to follow Jesus is going to be extremely hard. But, listen, listen, it's going to be worth it. It is going to be worth it. Um, Following Jesus is is not going to be easy. So this is where we're at. Coming off last week, Jesus calls us to follow him. Follow me. And then by God's grace, people respond. Right? So now what? Now we're in the middle of this new world. We've got our Bible in our hand and no clue what to do next except Jesus tells us what to do next. Look back at Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, 
Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you rich. That's not what your Bible says. He says, follow me, and you will not struggle with sin anymore. That's not what your Bible says. Follow me, and I will give you an easy life with no pain. You'll never be sick. The girl you're crushing on will become your wife. I'll give you the Lamborghini you've always wanted as long as you promise me, man. Please put a Jesus sticker on the back, and you'll pass organic chemistry. (laughs) Is that what your Bible says? It's not what the Christian life is about. I want you to look look at it. Follow me, and I will make you what? Fishers of men fishers of men, the entire Christian life, our call to follow Jesus from this moment onward as college students, as parents, as grandparents, and even as old people in a bed where we can't get up without the help of a caretaker, this is our call. This is what the Christian life is about. It's about following Jesus and fishing for men. Now, Jesus, you're going to have to explain what fishing for men is because the illustration in my head is kind of morbid. Um, With the remaining time I have left, I'm going to be talking about this idea of discipleship. This idea of discipleship. Um, It's become quite the buzzword in Christian subculture, but it's what this whole ministry revolves around. We want to be so obsessed with discipleship that you can't come to overflow without hearing of it. And so what is Discipleship. Well, I want to break it down for you real fast. Um, Jesus is going to tell us what it is in Matthew 4. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So it's one thing, twofold. Follow me and don't miss this. Make more followers of Jesus Christ. That's what discipleship is. To follow Jesus and to make more followers of Jesus. By following the commands of Jesus Christ and centering our life on the person and work of Jesus Christ, so much so that in doing so, we, we create more followers of Jesus. Do you see it? Follow Jesus and make fishers of men. You want to know what your next step is? This is it. Christian, since last week or since birth, uh, you are to make more followers of Jesus Christ. Until Jesus comes home, which I pray is soon. Um, here's a point I want you to write down. Uh, it's by a man named Robbie Gallaty. Uh, he preached at Collegiate Week this past summer. And he said this, and it really stuck with me. So if you've got a pen, I want you to write this down. The gospel came to you because it was going to someone else. The gospel came to you because, here's why it came to you. It was going to someone else. And so the message of the gospel, that God will render all accounts settled, either in hell or on the cross of Jesus Christ, and praise God, he is no longer counting the transgressions of those who by grace have put their faith in Jesus Christ. That gospel that we hold on to and hope in, that transforms us from one degree of glory to the next and saves us from our sins, that gospel came to you. Why? So that it could be bottled up and not go anywhere? Not at all. But that you could be used and that gospel would go to someone else. you got to see this. The gospel message in and of itself is unique in that it is so remarkable. It is so incredible. And it is so good 
that in the nature of believing in that gospel message itself, it can't possibly stay put. The message of the gospel is unique. It can't stay put because it is so remarkable and so incredible. The gospel came to you because it was going to someone else. Think about how you heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether it was from your pastor or from your parent or from a roommate or from a coworker. The reason why you heard the gospel in the first place is because someone took this gospel message seriously, especially the part that said, go fish for men. And so this is our calling. Our next step until Jesus comes home is to make more followers of Jesus. So we've got this gospel message. It was given to us. We're supposed to go fish for men, make more followers of Jesus, this discipleship. Um, But how are we supposed to do that? Some of you are probably like, dude, I don't have the slightest clue on how to do that. The rest of your sermon better tell me, Zach. Well, if that's you, you're in luck. Think about these fishermen in this passage. Think about these fishermen. Um, You've got to think, man. They, They had little to no idea what the next few days, weeks, months, or even decades was going to look like. They had, they had no idea. It said immediately they just left to follow him. But what I want to highlight for you is the personal aspect that came with following Jesus. So in light of the context of the day, here's what would happen with a rabbi and his student. The student would prove himself worthy. So he would go, he would be the top of his class, he would learn all of these things, and then he would go to his rabbi, the most respected rabbi in the land, and he would say, can I follow you? Can I sit under your teaching? And depending on what that student had done, the rabbi would allow, that, the, rabbi would allow the student to follow him. He would deem him worthy. That is not what Jesus does. It's the opposite. The student didn't choose the rabbi. The rabbi chose the student. Jesus chose these fishermen to follow him. And instead of the student student having to prove himself worthy, it's the opposite. Jesus chose these guys because of what they didn't bring to the table, not what they brought to the table. Jesus chooses the weakest and the lowliest, the nobodies in society, the ones that no one would expect. And his plan hasn't changed. I bet that makes you feel real good. (laughs) His plan hasn't changed. Not one of us is in here because of what we bring to the table. Not one of us. We're in here because of our weakness. And because of our weakness, we are on the same playing field when it comes to making disciples. We're on the same playing field because God delights in using our weakness to show off his strength and his power. When we are weak, he is strong. And so the first thing I want to tell you about making disciples, about fishing for men, is this. You can absolutely do it. You can absolutely do it. You don't have to be a seminary-trained professor. You don't have to be a uh, pastor. You don't even have to be a Christian for very long. All you need is the gospel and the power of God working through you. You can absolutely do it. Do it. Go back to how uh, Jesus did this and how he trained his disciples. Um, basically, what would happen in this day is students would sit under the rabbi's teachings. So they'd sit there, and the rabbi would just go off and list laws. He would list procedures, these rules, all these dogmas, a bunch of information. And then the disciple would try to go out and do those things. That's not what Jesus is going to do. Instead of just giving his disciples a bunch of information, 
he's going to show them how to do it. Instead of telling them to go make disciples, he's going to show them how to make disciples. He's going to walk with them. And this is where we get the core of being a disciple maker. That following Jesus, you don't just go listen to his teachings, but you go and live it out. You go and live it out. It's walking alongside other people in order to learn and encourage. In order to learn and encourage. Because, listen, you learn more by walking alongside someone than you do just receiving a bunch of information. And so back to my trip in Asia. Um, So we had been there. We had Googled a lot of facts about this country, uh, trying to understand the culture and uh, the people there. And it's like day five of that first week, and we're going to the mall to share the gospel with uh, Muslims at the mall. And so we're on the train. God bless this train. And, um, and we're headed to the mall, and I'm waiting. I'm praying. I'm like, God, give me somebody that I can share the gospel with. And so I'm scouting out this train, um, looking for the person I was going to talk to. And all of a sudden, onto this train comes this 28-year-old Pakistan man uh, wearing this backpack, and he looked like a college student. So I uh, eventually build up enough courage to go up and talk to him uh, and ask him about his spiritual beliefs. And it turns out he was a Muslim. He wasn't really a practicing Muslim. Um, so I, I share the gospel with him, uh, and he had heard the gospel before. Um, and so I encourage him. I ask uh, questions about his life. And listen, this guy was the most friendly guy on the planet. Yeah, he's the most friendly guy on the planet. Um, and this is what I mean. Within two minutes of me talking to this guy, we were best friends. So much so that he said, where y'all headed? Where y'all going? And I'm not talking about one of those where y'all headed, like kind of nice type of questions. This was one of those where y'all headed, can I come to types of questions. And because of the nature of what we were doing and where we were, I couldn't just come out and say, oh, we're uh, Christian missionaries going to the mall to share the gospel of King Jesus with Muslims. I couldn't say that. So I say, oh, we're just going to the mall to look around and sightsee. And remember, this is the most friendly guy on the planet. Immediately, he volunteered himself to be our personal tour guide. And so I'm like, bro, you, you don't really have to do that. And then in my head, I'm thinking, I've got to shake this guy. He's going to, listen, he's going to compromise our whole mission, like Mission Impossible stuff. I've got to shake him. But listen, listen, listen. This was the most unshakable man on the planet. And I, listen, I've met unshakable people before. But this man was the most unshakable guy on the planet. We get off at our station. We're walking to the mall. He gets off with us. He's talking to me. And finally, we get to the mall. I'm looking at our trip leaders like, what do we do? Like, I don't and so all of a sudden, you know, and, and this guy's asking me, he's like, uh, why are we just standing here? What are we doing? And then 30 seconds later, my, tr- my team has left me to go to the mall. And I'm alone with this Pakistani man I had just met on the train <laughs> to walk around with. And so I'm there, I'm walking around this guy, he's asking, where are your friends? And I'm like, am I not good enough for you? And he's like, sorry, sorry. And he's like, and we're we're laughing, man, but for two and a half hours, we're just walking around downtown Asia. I am with this random guy. And so we go to KFC to get Wi-Fi, and then we go to the mall, a different mall, because I know the mall we're going to to share the gospel. We're at this mall, and uh, I tried to buy a soccer jersey, and these guys tried to charge me 10 times the amount of the soccer jersey, but my dude right here was like, no, not for my best friend. He literally said that, not for my best friend. I got that soccer jersey super cheap 
thanks to my dude. Um, so anyways, we're in the mall. We're walking around. I'm asking him questions about this country we're in. Uh, he's asking me questions about America. I'm telling him about my family. He's telling me about his family and his arranged marriage and his girlfriend. And he's, he's actually married now. He's actually married now. Um, we finally get to Starbucks, and we're sitting at Starbucks for like an hour. And I, about every 20 seconds or so, I just take a step back, and I'm like, what in the world is going on here? It's happening again. Um, but listen, I'm loving it, man. We added each other on Facebook. We added each other on Instagram. WhatsApp is super popular over there, so I'm on WhatsApp now. Um, we take pictures together. Uh, I posted a picture of him on Instagram recently. He posted 10 uh, of me. And so, listen, we're still keeping in touch. Um, but here's the point. I got to ran this one back in. Here's the point I want to make. I had Googled fact after fact of this country. I watched videos. I asked people all that I could find about the people and the culture there. But look at me. I learned more in that three-and-a-half-hour adventure of walking alongside someone and living life than I ever did just finding facts. I learned more by just walking alongside a guy who had been there before. And it is the same with the Christian life. And Jesus is going to model this when he trains his disciples. He didn't just give them a bunch of information. He walked with them. For three years, he's going to walk with them. And so in Matthew 4, he's going to call his disciples to uh, follow him. And I want you to just fly with me over the book of Matthew. We're going to see that Jesus is going to call, he's going to call his disciples. And then he's going to start teaching them. He's going to start, he's going to start teaching them about uh, lust and about divorce He's going to perform miracles and show them his power and authority. He's going to uh, calm a storm. He's going to heal two men with demons. Uh, he's going to answer questions. He's going to tell a parable. He's going to explain the parable. He's going to tell another parable. He's going to feed the 4,000. He's going to tell another parable. Uh, he's going to tell some more parables. <laughs> and then, listen, he's going to go to Jerusalem, and he's going to tell them the time has come. And then he's going to be arrested. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be buried in a tomb. And praise God, he's going to rise from the dead. And now we're in Matthew chapter 28. And so since the, since the beginning, these guys knew they were going to do what? Make fisher. They're going to be fishers of men. And they walked with Jesus for three years. And then in Matthew 28, we have the risen Christ in all of his glory. And in chapter 28, verse 18, he's going to say this. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so Jesus is going to call these fishermen, and he's going to train them to be fishers of men. And then he's going to say, Go, fish. The gospel came to you because it was going to someone else. Make disciples. And so here's where I need to make a stark contrast with what I was raised to believe and where I believe the bulk of American churches land on this issue. I want you to look back at what Jesus said in verse 19. He says this, Go therefore and make disciples. And I need you to notice this. He did not say, Go therefore and make converts. 
He did not say, go therefore and make decisions. He said, go therefore and make disciples. We are not interested in making converts here. We're interested in making disciples. Disciples of Jesus who follow Jesus and who make more followers of Jesus. That's what we're interested in here. Uh, It's very easy to draw a crowd. It's one thing to draw a crowd. It's easy. In 2017, it is easy to draw a crowd. It is incredibly easy. And you might think, it's not that easy. Uh, Yes, it is. Um, After overflow, I go find Rachel and Jesse. I fire them. I take their paychecks. I go to the nearest zoo that I can find. I buy two kangaroos. I tell you, come back next week. We're going to have a kangaroo boxing match. (laughs) And then I create a cool graphic. I put it on Twitter with the hashtag kangaroo jack versus kangaroo mac. (laughs) Followed by a sermon uh, from kangaroo Zach. And listen, (laughs) and listen, we would fill this place up. All right, look, we would fill this whole room up. We would. Like, I make t-shirts with this thing on it. I make sweatshirts with this thing on it. I give flyers to Alan Chang and the UNT promo team to pass out, right? We hype this baby up. I get Aaron and Jared to sing a song about kangaroos. Um, the kangaroos come in box. Um, kangaroo Jack wins. And I, t- I get up here and I preach a sermon. And I say, you are kangaroo Jack and your problems are kangaroo Mac. And God wants you to defeat them and knock them out. And you leave entertained, you leave feeling good about yourself, and you're probably going to invite somebody back next week. But you also leave with no word from God, no conviction of sin, and it's the most hateful thing I could ever do. It's easy to draw a crowd and entertain someone. I just entertained you with a kangaroo joke. It's easy to draw a crowd. It's harder to make disciples. It is harder to make disciples disciples. When Jesus was walking around, he was teaching, he was doing miracles, these crowds would gather. These crowds would gather, and most of the time he would do one of two things. He would either withdraw and leave the crowd and go on the other side of the lake, or he would say something obscure or uh, hard to understand, and the crowds would leave. Why? Was it because he didn't care about the people in the crowd? That's not the case. It was because he was more worried about making disciples who would then go make disciples of the crowd. I am not worried about uh, getting a crowd to come to overflow. I'm not going to lose sleep tonight because there wasn't a thousand people here. I'm going to lose sleep tonight because there's six billion people out there who don't know Jesus and who will die and spend eternity in hell. That's why I'll lose sleep. I'm not here to make converts. We're here to make disciples of Jesus who will go into the six billion and proclaim, this is your God. And so there's two reasons of many that I can think of why discipleship is important. Um, The first one, um, by definition, a disciple is a learner. Somebody who's learning something from someone or something. And so everyone in here is a disciple. Everyone in the world is a disciple The question is, um, of who? Of Jesus or the world? And so our whole lives, we have been discipled by the world, allowing culture to tell us the things that we know. And this is true. I have too. And so the culture has defined for us 
uh, what is cool and what is not cool. Culture has defined for us what is manly and what is womanly. We have been cultured. But where the big problem comes in is when we allow culture and the world to begin to define who God is and what God should do. That is where the big problem comes in. And this happens all the time on the college campus. They don't want to submit to the God of the Bible, so what they do is they create their own Jesus. There's no way God would act like that. I know you've heard this. There's no way God would do that. There's no way that um, God would um, tell me, I can't do this. Jesus would do this. God would be okay with my um, sex before marriage. God wouldn't condemn my, my divorce. He wouldn't, talk, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't be mad at me for getting a divorce. He wouldn't be mad at me. He would not say I can't be a homosexual. He wouldn't be upset with my greed. He wouldn't be upset with my addiction to pornography. My God wouldn't do that. And so what happens is culture has now created a Jesus that is not biblical and that will not save them. They've created their own Jesus that is not biblical and will not save them. So what do we do? How do we combat this? Uh, we gather other believers and we grip this word of God tightly and we study it diligently and pray that God would reveal himself to us and then we go into culture, into the world and say, this is your God. This is your God. And that leads me to my second point. Um, the second reason why this is so important. Um, there are deeper, more wonderful truths about Jesus um, than the basic Sunday school knowledge. There are deeper truths out there. Uh, so listen, I grew, I grew up in the church. I went to Sunday school every week, and I thought I had known everything I needed to know about Jesus, and, every, and, and I thought I knew who he was and what he did. I, I thought I knew it all, but it wasn't. Listen, it wasn't until a man who was much further along in the faith than I was took me alongside him and led me into his life and began to teach me how to follow Jesus and how to share my faith with others. We met weekly, and we studied the Bible to memorize scripture and to pray. And listen, if you could take 19-year-old Zach, spiritual baby Zach, new Christian Zach, and just allow him to see what God's grace has done in my life the past three years, uh, this is what he would say. Um, he must have saw something uh, in here. He must have saw something in here. Only God could have done that. Find someone uh, who is a little bit further in the faith than you and ask them um, to teach you about Jesus. Because we learn more by um, following with people and walking alongside people than we do a bunch of information. And so uh, when I was in Asia, I was in this world that I had uh, never been before. Um, I had to rely upon the people around me to tell me what to do and where to go. And I learned by walking alongside someone who had been there before. And so uh, the, this is what the Christian life is about. New Christian, new Christian, dropped into a world um, that you had never been um, before. Um, you are to follow Jesus and make more followers of Jesus. And so how do you do that? By finding someone who has been there before and following them around but not in a creepy way, not like in a, in a stalker way, but in a, hey, learn from them. Teach me the Bible. Teach me how to pray. Teach me how to study the scriptures. What does this mean? Answer my questions. 
And so my challenge for you uh, is simple. Um, first, there was a quote that I heard once. It changed my life forever. Um, and it's this. Your relationship with Jesus is personal, uh, but never private. Your relationship with Jesus is personal, never private. You have a personal relationship with Jesus. And that personal relationship with Jesus should be displayed for the world to see. And how you act and the way that you live so that they will see the transforming power of Jesus. And here's why we preach about this all the time. Why do we do this? Why do we talk about this all the time? Um, We've got the best news in the world. Christ, Christ crucified and Christ risen. Salvation under heaven in his name. That's the message we've got. And so what would happen if all 500 of us in this room took the fishers for men thing seriously? Think about what would happen. We would change our campus. We would see a a disciple-making movement. And we could be used by God to change the world. Um, The world's a dark place. Peep the news, man. It's dark out there. And we're called to be used by God to change it. And so you might be thinking, um, man, we couldn't do that. There's no way. Five years ago, I would have been right there with you, man. There's no way we could do that. Um, But now, uh, I say, you don't know my God. You don't know my God. And so my challenge is very simple. Um, If you are a new believer in Jesus, you need to be taught how to follow Jesus and how to make more followers of Jesus. And we want to help you do that. First, find somebody in your life, whether it's your coworker, your friend, your parents, anybody who's further along in the faith than you, and ask them, can you disciple me? Can you disciple me? And if you don't know of anyone who can do this for you, uh, we have about 100 student leaders and adults in this church who would love to help you. And so if you would go to our website, overflowdenton.org, and on the homepage, you scroll all the way down and click respond, fill that baby out, and we would love to help put you in a discipleship relationship. And so what that means is uh, we would pair you up with someone or two other someones, and you can meet monthly, weekly, in the coffee shop or on campus, uh, and just learn to study the Bible and to pray for one another, to care for one another. We want to pour our lives into you because that's what we want to be about uh, here at Overflow uh, Discipleship. Uh, And if you are an experienced Christian, if you've been doing this Christian thing for a long time, you've been following Jesus, um, you also need to be discipled. Uh, You can never know enough about God, his supremacy, and the glory of his son. But, listen man, the gospel came to you to go to someone else. Go disciple someone. You are ready. This is what you were called to do. Go fish. God help us. Let me pray. Thank you for listening to the Overflow Podcast. Please feel free to download and share with friends. We ask that you do not alter any of the previous content in any way. For more information about Overflow, feel free to visit us online at overflowdenton.org.